0: It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from
1: the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. I I got to know uh, John Cooper pretty well here over the last few years. And, uh, you know, it it reminds you that between Tampa's uh, first appearance in the Stanley Cup final and winning the Stanley
0: cup, those five years or four or five years in between, Uh, they lost two
1: conference finals and missed the playoffs. They got swept in the first round after winning the president's trophy. So, you know, there there's pain and and you try and remove the emotion from it. Uh, You recognize the good things you did. Uh, You tweak, uh, both from a coaching point of view and a personnel point of view, make yourself better. Uh, Decide on the guys you can win with and the guys you can move on from and uh, and keep the process moving forward. Well, that is the voice of Golden
0: Knights head coach Pete DeBoer after the team did their season ending uh, press availability on Saturday. Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty with you for one final nighttime at noon. Great to have you along here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So, um, yeah, Shane, I know you and Darren Millard kind of did what's it the the
1: mortem? <laughs> is that the word we use yeah it was a little Friday? bit of, yeah I think uh, Millard talked about it being therapy for everybody yeah, yeah that's a good word to too
0: on. that's a good word too uh you know you and I have not uh, done one of these shows in a couple of weeks obviously um uh, and it is important I guess to keep the bigger picture in mind right and that's what Pete DeBoer was trying to get the point across on on Saturday and just to kind of strengthen his point so John Cooper is the longest current tenured coach in the NHL, right? Took over the Lightning in uh, March of 2013. They go to the final in 2015 and lose to Chicago. Uh, They lose in the East final in 2016 and 2018 in seven games. There was a missed playoff in there between that. 2017, they didn't make it. Of course, the stunning sweep of the hands of Columbus in 2019, win the cup in 2020 and going for another cup in 2021. It does take time. And I think that is something to keep in mind here, that none of this just happens, right? It it is a process. And um, sometimes you get into the day-to-day of it, understandably so, and the emotion of it. But every once in a while, it's probably a good idea to look at it from 30,000 feet and realize what they've accomplished here in four years was still the ultimate goal, uh, albeit elusive, still right there, hopefully not too far down the road on the horizon.
1: And it's something we touched on Friday. I talked about it. Teams, it's very rare that you just win um you know there's a lot of ups and downs that go through for an organization and sometimes you have to be very good for a long period of time tampa a great example i also brought up the washington capitals uh you know took them along you could even say the st louis blues to an extent they were very good for long stretches uh, you know made some changes obviously through a different period than uh what tampa bay went through but uh It's what you learn from that adversity prior with the group of guys you have, and that's what Tampa, they've kind of kept that same core group together. Obviously, you know, I think they made some key pieces or key adjustments that helped it, and it, you know, sometimes you find that right fit, you know, Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman, a couple of guys, not big names for Tampa, but pieces they added, Zach Bogosian, Luke Shen, Um, you know, this year they had David Savard, those little adjustments, and then also they've had guys come from below, Sorelli and uh, Yanni Gord, Gord yeah. Yeah. guys like that that have become you know, a big part to go along with the Kucherov and the Point and the Stamkos and the Hedman and you know the key figures that are there. Um, it, it's a tough process to get there to be a winner. It's a tough league. It's a tough championship. You know, there's 30 teams that come away disappointed this year that they didn't have it, and that happens each and every year. Um, so for the Golden Knights, very tough another tough loss they've made uh, three well this is a semi but I still call it three conference finals in four four years one Stanley Cup you know uh, then a devastating loss uh, in San Jose that uh, we'll just skip on by but still (laughs) something you learn from and you know as a player that adversity it's how you take it how you strengthen what you learn and what you move forward with that you need to be better and I think you know that's kind of the evaluation that goes through not only management and the coaching staff, but as players, it's looking at that, okay, this is where we need to be better. So next time when you're faced with that, uh, you hopefully get to that position again and you seize it. It appeared to be they were in a great spot, right? They knock off Minnesota in
0: seven. They beat Colorado in six. They're going to have home ice all the way through. Back to full T-Mobile Arena. Crowd's going bananas. And unfortunately, did not work out. They lose in six to Montreal. So you talk about what they've learned from it or what they're going to take moving forward. We, we learned, unfortunately, again, that the goals dried up, right? They get to the third round. They scored 13 goals in the six games against Montreal, but only five from forwards, right? There were the other eight, obviously, from the back end. They only scored eight goals in the five games against Dallas in the third round last year. So in terms of what do they take with them now moving forward? In terms of a learning learning process, they've, you know, they've lost in heartbreaking fashion. Shane. You know, this is three years in a row. Their season has ended in overtime in the playoffs between San Jose and Dallas, and then uh, just the other night against Montreal. What's the big takeaway they take as they move ahead now into the offseason?
1: I think the power play. That, that's the adjustment. They're top players. And, you know, I'm going to just, for an example, because it's staring at me on my computer in front of me, we'll talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, who Montreal is going to face. So Kutrov's, you know, leading with 27 points, 17 on the power play. Braden Point has 14 goals in 18 games, 20 points, 11 power play points, seven power play goals. Steven Stamkos, 11 power play points. Victor Hedman, 12 power play points. So that's their key offensive guys, and they're doing it on the power play. Your power play needs to be effective this time of the year. It dried up for the Golden Knights. It's not where it needs to be. Um, And their top players for Tampa are leading the way, and that's what you need for the Golden Knights. Uh, Certainly depth is so important it gets you through. Uh, some games and if you're going to get to that final prize of the Stanley Cup you need depth to be a part of it but you need your top uh, you know point guys leading the way for the Golden Knights it was William Carlson who you know finished with 16 points in 19 games but you know next to him Alex Petrangelo yeah. you know you go to a defenseman right away um, but I think that's certainly uh, something that needs to be addressed to look at maybe some possible changes uh, I don't think there needs to be a lot certainly there's a, a real good core here with the Golden Knights a group of guys that can get the job done there's just uh, you know they've got a they've got to find a way to get over that hump get their offense going at that time of the year and, and a lot of that comes from special teams That is a big factor
0: pete DeBoer touched on it a couple of days ago the power play has not just been a this year thing if you go back and look at the numbers they were three for 25 in the series against dallas last year this year in the playoffs they went four for 43 including 0 for 15 against montreal so and it's a team shame. you know we sat here So often, and even in the regular season, it had its peaks and valleys, right? The power play itself. But as a team, they scored at least five, 20 times during the regular season. And I know it's a different animal, and we've seen that, you know, firsthand here. But for a team that, I don't know if they scored at will, but a lot of nights they scored at will. And and did it not just against San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim, but against some of the better teams in the league, you know, within the the realigned division for, for this past season. But... You know, come the third round, and, you know, you touched on it. And, look, we all, you know, Mark Stone didn't have a point. Patch ready, one goal. uh Marcia, so no goal. Smith, one goal. Tuck, no goal. Yeah, you can go right on down the line. It's very difficult at this time of the year, and you talk about depth, but if the big guys aren't going to do it, yeah. it, it it's not impossible, but it's pretty darn near impossible to keep going.
1: Well, it really is. And, you know, it's funny that I talk about the importance of the power play because I remember playing or being part of a team, that The power play was pretty much non-existent, and they won a Stanley Cup being the 2011 Bruins. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you have those stats. I reme- Well,
0: I don't. my recollection is in the first round against Montreal, yeah. the team did not score a power play no. goal. Um, and my memory tells me, though, that I think it got better. Maybe. But it was
1: not good. Anyways, in the final, anyway. That's, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that said, uh, you know, the Golden Knights, and you, you mentioned the list, those guys, and it's not that they weren't trying, it's just it's a different animal, and you Credit to the Montreal Canadiens that they had a system that they did not waver from whatsoever. They were, you know, on it. They they stayed with it. Um, and, you know, they played as a team to, to wear down, to frustrate the Golden Knights that uh, were unable to really kind of break through offensively. You think uh, a little
0: bit with Montreal, and I wonder now what the Toronto Maple Leafs are sitting around <laughs> and thinking, right? They've got them three games to one. They never had the lead at all, the Leafs, in any of those final three games when Montreal came back. The Winnipeg Jets out in four straight. And those are offensive teams as well. Yes, and they found a way to shut them right down. And you've got the Golden Knights who were right up there among the highest-scoring teams in the league. And outside of the first game, they scored, uh, was it four? Yeah. Um, They didn't score more than two in any of the other games. Any of the other games. And sometimes teams kind of grab lightning in a bottle, right? You know, you get the Canadians here that would not have made the playoffs in normal time, I know it's not normal times, but they finished 18th in the league. Yep. And somehow, and I, I think a lot of it is probably that huge surge they had from beating, coming back to beat the Leafs. Now, well, now, now they're,
1: right? It's about building confidence. You think yeah. of the uh, 2012 Kings coming back from down 03 to yep. San Jose, and then after that, they probably felt unstoppable. And, yep. you know, similar to what uh, the Montreal Canadiens were able to do, they did that, and not only did they win the last three games, they went on to win the next four against the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Uh, so you build a ton of confidence, which is so important, and not only confidence but a belief that you rem- can win.
0: I remember, um, all, as much as I'd like to forget, I do recall in 2010 in my old job yes. where the Philadelphia Flyers came back from 3 nothing down against Boston and 3 nothing down in game seven in Boston to win that series, and the surge they got from that. They swept, uh, I think they made short work of Montreal in the next round and then they were on to the, the Cup Final, and Patrick Kane scored. Yeah, he was the only one that went in, right? Yeah. Michael Layton, I think, maybe knew it was in. But, you know, teams get this incredible amount of momentum when you come back the way the Canadians did. And I, I do think, and, you know, Gary Lawless is going to join us here in our next segment. We'll get into the Cup Final, which starts tonight in Tampa. Uh, you know... It, I don't know there, I don't know if there was anyone that thought that the Canadians, or at least it was a small percentage, thought they were going to beat the Golden Knights. No. It's probably just as small, if not smaller, that thinks they're going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I don't know how you could think that, watching what that team did to Toronto, Winnipeg, and then Vegas.
1: And obviously I watched it a little more against Vegas and, and seeing them come out of that, and, and as I mentioned, they, they... – they slowed down three really dynamic offensive teams in the Leafs, Jets, and Golden Knights. And they're going to meet another one here in the Tampa Bay Lightning who, you know, played a team that's similar to Montreal, and it was not an easy task to get past the New York Islanders. So uh, Montreal Canadiens, uh, I think they've got a better goalie than, than the Islanders and Carey Price. Uh, this series, I'd be careful on just uh, automatically handing it to the Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: Lightning coming off having to win a game seven in the Islanders series, which was a, a crazy back and forth series, but a one nothing win in game seven for them gets them back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Obviously, the Penguins repeated not that long ago, 16-17, but before that, you got to go back to the late 90s, right, with Detroit in 97-98. But here they are, Tampa Bay again knocking on the door. Before we uh, take a break, Shane. So if you, as you size up the Golden Knights right now, their number one need is blank moving forward
1: i think they're looking for a number one center uh, i think you need somebody up front that can can provide that offense a difference maker down the middle of the ice for the golden knights and uh, uh you know they've, they've always relied on depth but it showed uh, you, you need that guy moving forward and i think obviously you look for growth from the players you have you look from growth from the youth that you have in your organization uh but if there's one need and, it, and it's not not an easy task when you look at uh, where they are up against the cap in a flat cap world. Um, so that, that would be my my kind of uh, projection on that. To, you know, if you have a wish list, that that's what number one would be for me.
0: Golden Knights, uh, season comes to an end in the third round. The Stanley Cup semifinals this year as they fall to the Montreal Canadiens in six games. And as we said, the cup final gets underway tonight. The Habs and the Bolts game one. In Tampa, nighttime at noon with Dave and Shane with you, the final one of this playoff year. We'll step aside, but before we do, a reminder for you that City National Arena is located right here, of course, in downtown Summerlin. It's where we are sitting as we speak. Bring the family over to learn how to skate and uh, learn how to skate like the pros at the official practice facility of your Vegas Golden Knights. For hours and programming, visit citynationalarena.com. Golden Knights insider Gary Lawless, the man, waiting in the wings. He'll be on the airwaves next on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
2: We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports
1: Las Vegas.
0: Dave Grosher, Shane Idy with you. Final nighttime at noon for this season. What song is this, Shane, we're coming back to? You hear that? I wasn't listening. Okay. Man Eater, Hall Oates. Oh, Hall Oats. 84, I believe. Gary Lawless, Golden Knights Insider, would join us. He probably would know the year. I think it was 84, I'll, but I'll check. I'll get back to you on that. Lawman, man, what's shaking? So, um, in Montreal, Game 6, before we get to what actually happened in the game and kind of just your thoughts on the Golden Knights season wrapping up, could you tell us your experience after Game 6 ended and how long you were staying inside Bell Center?
2: Well, it was pretty interesting because we got an email halfway through the third period saying – uh, you can't. The, the building is locked down, so you're not leaving when the game is over. We'll tell you when you can leave. And the guy, Bruce Devine, who does, uh, pushes the buttons in the in the visiting radio booth, said to us, in 93, after they won, I never got out of the building till 8 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> so uh, the Duva hands were flying oh, at that sure. point in time. <laughs> so, yeah, after the game, they took us downstairs. And uh, staged us. You guys know where the buses are in the mm-hmm. loading dock. So just for our listeners, in every NHL arena, there's a loading dock where, you know, that's where that where concerts come in and they unload all their stuff. And for for hockey, it's where the buses are. So that after the game, you don't go outside. You get on the bus inside usually. And uh, so we're kind of locked up in that area. And people way more important than me. We're not happy. They were kind of stomping around. And the uh, poor people for the NHL. It's not their; they can't control what uh, the uh, the Quebec police are doing, or the Montreal police are doing. There, we as soon as we got out on the bus and we started to pull away, people started like screaming at the bus, and then right away you see a police car flipped right over on 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 its cherries, and then you get to a corner and there's all these trees that have been yanked out and and, and trees. Forgive me for. Forgive me for saying this, but like, you won. What? Why are you? Why are you destroying stuff? And I don't even understand why you destroy stuff when you lose either. Like to me, either either way, it's it's your city. Yeah. Why? Why are you crapping on it? So. Anyways. When
0: the Vancouver Canucks lost to the Bruins ten years ago, Vancouver was on fire, but they did lose. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll give them you, that. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you in the building after the game?
2: Got out of there around twelve thirty. I oh, think it's not bad. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, yeah. But uh, certain people that work for other networks that are, like I said, more important than me, were uh,
0: were not happy. Not happy to say the least. No. Um, all right. So Shane and I kind of did our. Uh, you know, we got into the series a little bit, but just in a nutshell, uh, what happened?
2: Not good enough. You know, Kerry uh, Price put uh, uh, a ton of pressure on, and he was not that he was perfect, but to beat him. You needed, uh, you needed a really good chance, and like William Carlson had a really good chance in, uh, in Game Six, and he put it, puts it in the one spot where Kerry Prey. I talked to Patrick Lalim, Shane's old teammate. Yeah. After that save, he said, y- you know, if you put it on the ice, we stop it. You've got to get that one elevated. You got to get, you got to elevate that one, and that I'm not picking on William, but that that's the type of, of opportunity that like that goes in and. And who knows, right? You know, um, they you know they flushed game three. You know, should have been... They, they were up by yeah. a goal with a minute and a half left in a, yeah. a, an unfortunate circumstance. Like, it, uh, uh, the, the team wasn't good enough. Um, and Montreal did... Uh, they played very disciplined. They did what they needed to do. And boy, were they opportunistic when they got a chance. So, like, Carey Price... He was the best player in the series for Montreal, but they're young guys. If they saw they saw a little bit of light, they buried it. And uh, I found it interesting uh, to hear Kelly McCrimmon say, in the last little bit that uh, that Peyton Krebs was uh, was available and uh, and could have played because uh, um, I, I thought they could have used offense. That to me yeah. was uh, was the issue late in that series was that they they couldn't score. It's not Montreal didn't pile them up. They they did the one game, uh, game five. I think they won yeah. four one. That was a bit yeah. of a disaster, right? You know, but everything else was uh, two one three two type. Opportunistic, thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I reminded me. I said to a couple of people back in the old days where the Bruins would play the Canadians every year, and the Bruins would have to work their butts off to score. Yeah, work, work, work. And then the Canadi- guy Lafleur would come down the wing and blast one in, and piece of cake. Make it look easy. And that <laughs> yeah. guy watching the series, I was like, every chance they get—not every chance, but most of the chances the Canadians got—they scored
2: on. Well, like you know, the Caulfield goal, like he yeah. just gets a—you know—he makes Shane must have. You must have marveled at this. The puck is coming to him, and he lays his stick oh, yeah. flat little chip, little to self-pass. chip it up, and then create a a race, a puck a puck race with Braden McNabb, who you know, no offense to Braden, Caulfield's going to beat him. Like he just like the the intellect, the scorer's intellect on display there, and then he just you know, he goes high and, and beats Leonard. and uh, it was, uh, yeah, it's th- that the pressure that Montreal put on Vegas in terms of being a, having quick strike offense, and then on the other side, limiting Vegas's offense to you, got, it's gonna take you 25 minutes to get a goal. You got to work, 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 build, build, build. Get one chance, not going to go in. Get another chance, not going to go in. Get a third chance, where you get price, you know, down and out in Beverly Hills. That one goes in, and it was just it was too much. So where do they go from here? This is this will be really fascinating because change right number one center is would be the first thing on on my list, uh, and a guy that is that has high end skill that can turn a power play into. Uh, a 25 percent, you know, type power play, and uh, um, and also uh, create five on five scoring. So you know, what I mean, like, like it, we're going to hear Jack Eichel's name. <laughs> I was waiting all, for you to say the name all summer long. But well, so but this is but last summer. I think the organization looked at what they needed and they thought Cody Glass could could fill this hole. And and you do. That's why you draft those players. And you know, Cody season. Never got on track. That injury was that he had the year before delayed him, and it just made it really hard for him. I was really glad to see Kelly McCrimmon say, you know, Cody needs to know that we believe in him and that, you know, uh, development is not a straight line. It isn't. It's not the same for every guy. Uh, and let, like, let's watch Cole Caulfield. He's been really good right now. Let's see how he is next year when he's got to play 82 and he's got to travel everywhere and, and everyone in the league has got a target on him. It's It's a different a different situation. Catch lightning in a bottle, but does it last over time? I'm sure Cole Caulfield's going to be a great player, but it's not going to be it's not going to be all wine and roses. There, Shane will tell us that there are ups and downs to a career. So, like, you have to be careful in this situation because you've got Krebs, you've got Glass. You know, maybe you say we're gonna we're gonna wait on our guys. We're gonna and you've got the rest of the team ready to go. Okay, Uh, so that's that that's a factor. Uh, Or do you say, okay, we're going to move people. We're going to trade some people and we're going to we're going to bring somebody else in. Well, there's a danger to that, too. And Nick Suzuki is is a great example of that. You give up on a on a prospect or or not that they gave up on Nick. They put him in. and They got a really good player in return. But now Nick is turning into uh, a guy who's going to be dominant in this league, I think so. That that's one area of focus. I also think the goaltending needs to be. They're going to have to figure something out in that. And Pete DeBoer has been pretty clear about that. That it made sense this year. Next year is a different thing. And uh, um,
0: if you're looking to free up money, you got 12 million bucks wrapped up in the two goalies,
1: right?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, so uh, but
1: well, there's a team coming in the league that can help out with that, isn't it? How's that going to work with the expansion in Seattle?
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, you know, I think that Seattle might be able to load up in – you know, you could make a deal with Seattle ahead of ahead of expansion and say, you know, don't worry so much about a goalie. We'll we'll try and help you out in that way. So collect some assets for us that you know we can, and we can make a deal because there's not going to be a Mark Andre Fleury uh, av- available this year and that. Like it, it, McPhee and and McCrimmon, they have a plan. You know, it will be revealed to us uh, right after they make the moves. We'll be able to trace the breadcrumbs, but. Um, yeah, it, it they have. This is a really good team. Um, it you know coming up short, and I'm on the record as this all the time. If you make it to the Final Four, you've done your job. Like, what has to happen for a team to win? Health has to be has to be there. You got to get crazy good goaltending, and you got to get a bounce. And Vegas got all that the first year to get to the final. You know, Fleury, as you recall, mm-hmm. uh, could not have been better against Winnipeg and uh that got them got them into the final and then Washington's curve sort of like Vegas kind of peaked against Winnipeg and Washington was just getting going cuz uh, their offense really clicked in in the final and then Holpe was out of out of this world
0: and to this day right so that first year has accelerated everything here right off the charts and now that's I, they're not a victim of the expectations i think the expectations are good right the worst thing would be yeah. The the last thing you want is apathy, where nobody really. I like, guess that's, that's <laughs> Listen, terrible. You
2: make a you make a really good movie, and then someone comes to you and says, you know, we're, we're we'll give you money to make a sequel. Well, then there's a pent up appetite for people to go to that sequel. Hey, I, I want to go see Godfather too. Right. You know, I, I'm I'm down for that. Well, that's the situation they have here. What do you have to do? You got to make a really good movie, so that people don't yep. walk out going, man, the sequel sucked. You know, Grease two. You want Godfather two, not Grease two. Rocky two. Rocky two is pretty good. I liked it. I, I, that's that's a, That franchise, I give it. Uh, I give it a thumbs up. Yep. If, if there's some, I'm well, we're,
1: we're, we're movie critics now. <laughs> Siskel if and if Ebert. I'm,
2: uh, well, I'm, which guy was the big bigger guy? Ebert. Oh, yeah. Ebert. Roger right. Ebert. Yes. Yeah, so yep, that's here right. You, here you go. No, it's. Uh, I, I think that they've done a, a great job. They've got an elite coach. Um, you know, Mark Stone. Uh, so I've been asked this. I don't know how many times, what was wrong with Stone, what was wrong with Stone. And it's become uh, in, in, in vogue in some areas to come out and say, well, I had a separated shoulder or I had a misplaced rib. Mark Stone was hurt last year when the playoffs were over. He came out and said there was nothing wrong with him. This year when the playoffs were over, he came out and said there was nothing wrong with him. I don't know if he was hurt or not. Uh, he just said, "I got skunked." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a big learning opportunity for yeah. him. I, I'd be surprised if, if that ever happened to him again. He's probably, you know, looking in the mirror. What do I need to do to make sure that, uh, you know, he, he didn't he didn't look he he didn't look like he had as much burst as he had at at other times in his career. I think Shea Theodore is going to use this as has uh, an opportunity to kind sort of look at his game and look at Petrangelo's game and say. Do I really want to be in that conversation? Because if I do, I got to figure out how I add another level the way he did. And I guess the last thing for me um, is the power play. And if you watch the best power plays in the NHL, they pass the puck and it's like they never miss it. If it's supposed to hit the guy on the stick blade, you know, in front of him, that's where it is. Vegas, it's always in the boots. It's behind. It's ahead. It's never a crisp pass. They have to figure that out, That what, however that is done. And whether that's with personnel or with, uh, you know, they weren't able to practice this year, I think that that, you know, just kind of that exas- exasperated things. But that the power play, like if they scored three power plays in that series.
0: All right. They went yeah. 0 for 15, right? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So and, like, and it didn't even – and not really a threat. Like
2: three is not uh, – if they had a score no. – if they had gone three of 15, like we're not talking about 30% here – like, that's, that's, what a, that's what a good NHL power play should well, do. So not, you missed. Not you, missed you didn't one. listen
1: to our first segment. I said yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning, Kucherov, 17 power play points, Point, 11 power play points, Stamkos, 11 power play points, and Hedman, 12 power play points.
2: And Vegas yeah. has a team. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. their top, yeah. but that's the top guys. Yeah, fun. Yeah. Well, you saw, it like, Washington. Every time Washington got a power play in the Stanley Cup final, yeah. it was in the net, and it was in the net fast.
0: Yeah, they don't. They don't mess around. No,
2: let's so get to the point. Those are that's uh, that's my wish list.
0: All right, one final thought before I let you go. How do you size up the Cup final?
2: Well, it, it, you know what I mean. I, if you looked at it on paper, I'm like Tampa's going to shred them, but and I, and I didn't believe that Vegas was going to shred Montreal. I thought Vegas was going to beat Montreal. I awesome. really did, but I didn't think it was going to be easy. Uh, so. I've been thinking for a while. Like even when when Vegas was beating Colorado, and people were like, "This is the Stanley Cup," I'm like, "No, it's mm. not. <laughs> That's a monster over there." So yeah. I, I think uh, I think Tampa in six. But uh, if there's a if there's a parade on St Catherine Street in two weeks, look out! If you have a cop car, <laughs> be careful! If you have a cop car.
0: After winning, they turned the place uh, upside down. Yeah. Lawman, thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate
2: for having it. me. This was fun. It's good.
0: Gary Lawless, Golden Knights Insider, joining us nighttime at noon, our final one of this season. A reminder, Golden Knights fans, VGK Authentics is the official home for all your game-used Vegas Golden Knights merchandise. From game-used pucks and game-worn jerseys and much more, owning a piece of your favorite Golden Knights player has never been so easy. Check out all the great items at VGK Authentics by visiting vegasteamstore.com. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll be joined by Golden Knights forward Alex Tuck. That's after this on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
2: Live from City National Arena, this is nighttime at noon on
1: Fox Sports Las Vegas.
0: Dave Gosher, Shay Knighty, as we put the wraps on this season, the 2021 campaign. For the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, the VGK falling in the Stanley Cup semifinals in six games to the Montreal Canadiens, game one of the cup final in Tampa later on. Tonight, we are happy to be joined on the phone line by Golden Knights forward Alex Tuck. Alex, thanks for taking the time. Um, How do you utilize your time now? Obviously, your season ended just a few days ago. What have the last couple of days been like for you? Hello? Alex, you got us okay?
3: Yeah. No, I got you now. Sorry about that.
0: No, no problem. I was just wondering what have the last couple of days been like for you since the season came to an end.
3: Uh, just hanging out with my teammates. Um, trying to, I guess you could call it, call it decompressing. Uh, played a lot of hockey in a little amount of time, and playoffs also the same way. And uh, it was a big, it was a big mental grind. There was a big physical grind. So now we're just trying to, I guess, let the bodies rest and recover, and try to enjoy each other's company. Um, you never know what will happen next year and who's going to be on the team, so trying to hang out with everybody and uh, get together as a team. And uh, now We have uh, exit meetings, and I know some guys are sticking around, some guys are headed home, so um, changes for everybody.
1: Yeah, certainly, Alex. I like know this time of the year, it's good to, to be with the guys, and maybe you haven't been to this point yet, but you mentioned, uh, I guess for yourself, just 25 years old, still a young player in this league, but uh, you look you look over like the past four years and just you know your time in the league now you pretty much with uh, what everybody be- dealt with this last season COVID the challenges uh unique scheduling tough scheduling does that help you maybe grow as a player a little bit more heading forward and kind of learn from this adversity as you guys get better as a team and as a player an individual
3: yeah no 100 percent. as um the more experience you can get I feel like the better you are and uh, I'm trying to grow as a player and as a person every year that I'm in the league and uh, learn from my mistakes and learn from my successes and um, continue to become the best player I can become. Um, and as a team, I think we do the same thing. Uh, we've been in the league for four years now, and as an organization, we try to learn from our own mistakes. And from the guys that have been here for day one or some the guys that have joined the team, even this last trade deadline, I think um, – to learn uh, to become a better team and uh, learn how to win hockey games in different ways and try to be as successful as possible. And obviously, we came up short this year, but um, we're going to try to take uh, as much out of it as we can and uh, forget about parts of it, but try to grow as a team as well.
0: Alex, I know it's only been a couple of days and maybe it's still a little raw, but how do you assess what happened in the Montreal series that uh, led you guys not having the success that you'd hoped for?
3: Well, our power play struggled, which was a big issue, and they scored some big power play goals, and uh, I think we were at 0%, and that's unacceptable, and, um, you know, we had some really good stretches and some really good games, and uh, we had some really good goaltending too, and we ended up uh, coming up short, I think, offensively more than anything else, and um, I think it was a similar result in Dallas, and, you know, it, it sometimes happens, it's, I mean it's bad puck walk, some you get cold, some guys, certain guys get cold, and you know what? It, it, it does happen, but we, we like to learn from our mistakes, and uh, I guess in the end, they played better than us when it comes down to it, and uh, they, they had a game plan, and they stuck to it more than we did, and you know what? Uh, we can only be so mad and upset about it for so long, and because there's always next year, and we're going to like I said, try to continue to get better and to learn from this series like we did last year against Dallas. But so we just still had a couple of really good series against a really good Minnesota team, against an un- uh, the President trophy-winning Colorado team. And, uh, so we have to understand that we did do some really good things this playoffs. But, the end, we came up short, and we're going to try to do better for next year.
1: Alex, uh, I guess we'll, we'll move on, as you say, trying to improve from everything. But uh, you mentioned uh, time with the guys now, exit meetings, all all kind of the final protocol for you guys. But uh, after that, is there a certain amount of time you you take off for the body, for the mind, and then when do you start to get back at it? And uh, will you train with your brother?
3: I'd say the next couple of weeks is the time to really uh, relax and let the body recover because it, it is a lot of stress and everything like that and then try to head home and uh I'll, I'll do some um i'll do some working out and uh not too much skating because playing every other day for uh, i don't know how many days we did it but uh it was pretty stressful in the body but try to get the body back to its normal state and back to um as elite of a form as you can get it to uh, and get ready for next season so you want to take some time off. You want to ease your way back into lifting and stuff like that. Because if you jump in too soon, you become a little too sore and you can injure yourself. And uh, I've learned over the years of how my body needs to uh, recover and how my body needs, like how much time and what I need to do to get it in the best shape possible for the next season. Uh, but yeah, going home for a little bit. Um, obviously, our teammates had a couple weddings this summer, so I'll be. Uh, going to a couple of those, but um, with my brother, I'll definitely be going back and working out with him and uh, maybe skiing with him a little bit and stuff. But it, it's been a pretty crazy year, and it's going to be a shortened summer. Um, even though we only we didn't even make it to the finals, it's still going to be a shortened summer uh, for us. So um, not sure how much time I'll be able to spend at home, sadly, but I'm definitely going to get at least a little bit of time.
0: Now that it's over, Alex, this season's over. Uh, you know, it's going to be a heck of a, a year and a half, really, when you think about the pandemic, the pause, the bubble. And then you guys going through this 56-game season and three rounds of the playoffs. And really, this past year, and every team was doing it, living this life of kind of semi-isolation, right, with the, with the protocols that the league had in place. Again, with the premise everyone was going through it, every team, how much of a grind was it for you to go through a season like this?
3: I mean, it was a big grind. It really was. I mean, like you said, it's isolation and um, especially in the beginning of the season it was, it was very tight uh, with the protocols and um, I don't think I went to dinner for, uh, out to dinner for six months and uh, you saw your teammate only at the rink and um, away from the rink it was just my girlfriend and I, Kylie, and we ended up getting a dog, tet- Teddy, which is awesome. It was it helped a lot with the, the mental side of things, and um, got your mind away from the game when when you needed to. And um, but yeah, it, it was a mental grind. It was um, it wasn't it wasn't easy by any means. And I don't think anyone in the NHL right now would be would say it was easy for them, and or it was normal because it's not. So, um, but everyone was going through the same thing, um, and I thought uh, the league did a really good job with. Um, helping us as much as possible and um but like you said it it wasn't easy and so hopefully next year is back to normal as much as possible
1: and on that thought i guess as we all hope uh, things return to normal is there uh, some excitement to getting back to kind of regular times next year for you is that a little bit of the silver lining here you can get excited to to get back to that, it certainly you saw it through the evolution of the bubble to finally seeing T-Mobile full with fans.
3: Yeah, Seeing T-Mobile full with fans was a special moment for us, for sure. It was, uh, it was a big sense of normalcy, and um, I think it really helped us, propelled us into a couple big series wins. Um, it was They did a phenomenal job cheering us on and giving us a lot of momentum and Uh, so in my eyes, it's the loudest building in the NHL, and it has been for the last few years. And um, the amount of support and dedication we've gotten from our fans has been phenomenal, and I hope it continues in the next year. Uh, I know they were disappointed. Um, We sure were disappointed in ourselves, and um, they want to win. We've created a a culture where we have high expectations, and uh, we don't want to lose those expectations, that's for sure.
0: One final one for you, Alex, as you head into the offseason now. What's at the top of your hit list in terms of what you'll be working on in your game the most?
3: Um, I think this year uh, I took some big steps in becoming a complete player. Uh, but with that being said, I think there's a lot of there's some stuff I need to work on in regards to helping out our power play more, being better in front of the net, being a big a big guy, I should be able to be have a lot more success uh, with the puck deflections, rebound goals, um, stuff in that manner. So that's going to be a, a big thing that I'm going to focus on this summer.
0: Alex, thanks for this, and uh, we'll see you soon enough, we hope.
3: Thank you guys so much. Have a great summer.
1: Thanks, right, Alex.
0: You bet. Alex Tuck joining us here on nighttime at noon as the Golden Knights. Uh, and of uh, wrapping up their season, of course. And uh, as Alex said, it's going to be, uh, even though they go three rounds in the playoffs, yeah. the next season is going to be here before you know it, quite obviously. With, you know, we're already uh, June 28th today. The final game of the cup final, if it goes a distance, is July 11th. The draft is July 23rd and 24th. And. <laughs> You know They haven't announced the schedule yet for next year, quite obviously, but it'll, it'll be here before we know it.
1: It certainly will. It goes by quick uh, in a regular year. If you go to the final, usually it's around that 12th mark. So it's a, it's a month later, a month less of that time off. If they get back on track next year, it looks like uh, around an October 12th start for the season. Golden Night season coming to
0: an end. A reminder for you, for your exclusive Golden Knights gear, visit one of the Vegas Golden Knights official team store locations, the Armory, located at T-Mobile Arena, or the Arsenal, located right here at City National Arena. You can always go online as well at vegasteamstore.com today. Dave Gosher, Shane 91. one final segment coming up on the final nighttime at noon for this season. We will take a look at your questions as we come back after this on Fox Sports Las Vegas
2: we're back to nighttime at noon on your' home for the Vegas Golden Night Fox Sports Las
3: Vegas
0: our final segment final show for this season David Shane with you on nighttime at noon all right uh, Dakota you're uh, you got the headset on you're ready to fire away with some questions did the people send in some questions hashtag nighttime at noon we got a few yeah all right what do you got who do you guys have? Um, expectations-wise, to improve the most of the young guys on
1: the team? Ooh, that's a good question. There's so that's many good. of them. You think of the steps that White Cloud Haig took this year, Coughlin. Um Certainly Cody Gloss, I think, is one guy that's going to want to, you know, be determined to prove himself. Uh, the one guy I'm I'm really excited to, to watch, and, and Gary, Gary mentioned him, is as, as Peyton Krebs, just because the way he got injured, was exactly what I love to see, going to the front of the net. Not a big guy. He's a skilled guy, but he's willing to go to all the areas at a young age, and uh, I just think there's a there's a work ethic to his game of tenacity that's uh, that that can play through along with that skill. So um, I don't know if he's going to be the one that, uh, that progresses the most, but he's the one I'm kind of the, the most curious to see next year.
0: He's an intriguing guy, right? Small sample size this yeah. year before he got hurt, but – impressed in that small sample for sure um you know i remember Shane. we were talking about him uh you know talking about how hard working was hardest guy hardest working guy on his team in junior right playing for winnipeg despite being the best player on the team led the way on the ice off the ice um and and i think he and look it's a lot to put on a young kid he could fill a need for them (laughs) down the middle of the ice you know if if we're talking about you know, where do they – and I think this was the big question coming into this past season, which has just ended. If you look down the middle, they trade Paul Stassen. Yeah. Do they have enough down the middle with – Steve? you know, no particular order. Stevenson, Carlson, Wah, Nosek, Glass, you know, they were all kind of in the mix, right? Um, and I think that's a question again moving forward. And potentially, could he fill that, that void? And I know what we're talking about. Can they get an elite stud number one center? I don't know if they can do that. No the cap space they Not without have, a large cost right they've been creative right i mean they brought in petrangelo and they didn't you know but um he'd be an intriguing guy back to you know have a summer to you know be healthy and, and get ready for next season you'd love to see him take a big step forward along the same things uh same line who were you guys most impressed with this season
1: well i, I think for me probably because I look at the you know overall everybody you know you can talk to their big guys but I, I love the play of the young defenseman that stepped up this year and I, I just mentioned him you know uh, Zach Whitecloud. I think they have the confidence for him to play against anybody he's kind of sitting in that you know number five spot but I think he's a guy that could certainly move up into a top four role uh and Nick Hague along with him as a pairing just the experience they were able to gain this year and a guy that maybe people didn't see as much we saw you know Dylan Coglin in some games I think there's there's some real good stuff to his game and he's a guy you you can't take away from what players can learn being around that atmosphere. Even if you're not in games, the day to day practice, the extra drills, uh, the extra skating helps you grow because you're at it you're at an NHL pace. And uh, I think that can be beneficial for a young player and, and, and beneficial for a guy like Dylan Coglin who was although he didn't get in any games, he, he was skating every day, doing extra skill work, strength work, uh, you know, Everything that was needed, and and I think that that helps him take strides and growth in his game. I think the
0: other guy that that showed some uh, good growth is Keegan Colasar. right? You know, I
1: throw Nick Waugh in there with him too. Yeah, in playoffs. him and
0: Wah, right? You know he, and, and you know that is going to be one of the questions moving forward here. And, and look, it's they have cap issues; they're they're obvious. You know, Colasar played the last few games of the playoffs. Ryan Reeves did not. Um You know, Nick Waugh scored some big goals. Obviously, the huge overtime goal against Montreal. Um Can you get other guys, and this is always a question, I think, when you have a cap team, can you get cheaper players to fill the same roles that other guys fill on your team that are making more money? And I think that's something that they're going to have to take a look at here as they move forward is, uh, you know, is that a possibility? Be it, you know, does Coughlin come up and take a bigger piece next year? Does Krebs come in and play regularly? Does Kolasar play regularly? You know. Among others, but that's something that Last. and that's lasts. and that's
1: also good it's that internal comp like there's gonna be competition for spots. Yeah. And and that's uh, that's healthy for any team. We heard that Alex Martinez was playing through an injury during the playoffs and he played at an elite level. Um how impressive was his performance, Shane? Um and how you know tough was it to play through that injury? <laughs> Well, and he's probably, he's not the only one. You hear this from every team, the injuries, but obviously a broken foot getting wheeled around and still leads uh, the playoffs in block shots. I think Alec Martinez is a guy we've spoke extremely high of all season long with what he'd done. Uh, he was, to me, in the regular season, their best overall defenseman. Uh, I thought, you know, in playoffs, Alec Petrangelo certainly took over and we saw how elite he is, but right behind him is Martinez. You know what you're going to get. What I like about Alec Martinez is, the consistency in his game at all levels. And then uh, there's obviously that, uh, you know, everybody called him warrior. He doesn't like it. But that's a good, good explanation of what he's been able to do, not only block shots, play through injury, play through a broken foot. Uh, you know, he's not the first guy to do it. He won't be the last. And it's not an easy task. Not everyone can do it and then play to that level he was able to. So, you know, great on him. That's what it takes at this time of the year. He's a guy that understands what it takes because he's won uh you know a couple of times Uh, i think a very important piece and you know i'm not the guy handing out contracts or making those decisions but he would be a guy that uh, would be a priority for me to try and get back obviously there's there's a lot more things to work around dave on that
0: yeah well the math right the math most importantly i'm I'm lost (laughs) unrestricted free agent boy you'd love to find a way to keep him uh i I think it's any surprise that you know they need a goal to tie the game in the third period the other night he scores it you know he's he has scored some big playoff goals in his career, to say the least, but a guy that, veteran guy, knows what it takes to win, especially at that time of the year, and just if they can. And, and again, it's it's all going to be, all right, what's the arithmetic? Who stays? Who goes? The other part for him is there's he's going to be coveted by a lot of teams. I would think he's going to want to play for a good team. Why wouldn't you at this stage of your career? He's already got two cup rings. Yeah, he's going to have options. He's going to have options from other good teams that um, that are going to make him offers, but uh, boy, it'd be great if they could figure a way to keep him here. All right, Dakota, thanks for the questions. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Doug Marsh, everyone at Lotus, uh, big thanks to everybody for uh, allowing us to do this uh, nighttime at noon again. Of course, Dakota, George, uh, we thank Gary Lawless for joining us. We thank Alex Tuck. Garrett's been a big help in putting the show together as well. And uh, now for the Golden Knight, chain, They move forward. It'll be an interesting, and you would think, active offseason for them. They have If nothing else, they have been far from shy in terms of trying to improve this team over the first four years.
1: And then not afraid to make moves to get better. I think that's the thing. There's expectations at all levels throughout the organization, and they still haven't reached that goal, so they'll work towards next season and pursuing the Stanley Cup once again.
0: Thanks for joining us once again this season for Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas.